Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. Jeremy Rutherford joining us coming up at 10.15. Your questions, comments, welcome via the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Jackson, tell me what the good word is. Oh, I mean, pretty. I mean, we thought that uh, going into this weekend was going to be a weak college football weekend, kind of a weak slate leading into the rivalry games of next weekend. Turned out to be a fantastic weekend of college football. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you saw Tennessee get knocked off by South Carolina. A great game with TCU and Baylor. Illinois almost beating Michigan at the Big House. UCLA USC was a great game. We were very, we were very lucky, and you know, NFL yesterday was good. Good weekend of sports. Your Vikings were exposed. How do you feel about that? Boy, were they ever. We were, and we were. What? No, we were. Uh, you know, told that this was going to happen. We were. We got a, got an insider. I, I found tip. my Bud Fox. What a tip we, well, we got. We got a couple Bud Foxes. We got Panger with the mom's trip. Yep. I mean, Jackson and I, well, Jackson was already wealthy, but now I am. I'm going to be able to live in his neighborhood um, because of these insiders. Panger on the mom's trip. And then this, uh, I call him a kid, but if I call him a kid, I have to call you a kid. Right. I mean, he's only three years younger than you. Right. Jackson Durham, who yep. appeared on the Tim McKernan Show podcast, and he gave us two plays, right? Or did he give us more? He gave us. He, he gave us the Titans money line on Thursday night. Yep. Gave us his reasoning for it. And then he re, the one play he loved this weekend was the Cowboys. And the Cowboys were minus two at the eight and one at the eight and one Vikings. Unbelievable. And he gave his reasoning that the the Vikings left tackle wasn't healthy and the Cowboys defense was going to feast and feast they did. Yeah. And so now I might have to uh I might have to protect this guy. And, uh, you know, kind of treat him like Sam Ace Rothstein and make sure he's uh, nobody messes with him. Yeah, he also gave us— Because he's now a friend of the family. Yeah, he gave us a little DFS play, too. It was Cole Komet, who had, like, one of the greatest catches I've seen. He did. did. Did he have a big day? Uh, I don't know if he scored. I remember him making that big catch. I'm sure he had plenty of yards. He's a popular target of Justin Fields, and that, that play was awesome. This kid, he was— Made made all of us a lot of money. Yeah, this uh, so now so I said, hey, either you're gonna hit and we're gonna keep having you on, or you're gonna fail and we're just gonna make fun of you. Yep. But he, uh, he hit, and so now, but it's not it's not like he's like I'm guessing he runs this stuff right. and these numbers and that. All I know about the Cowboys and Vikings game was I saw and I told him this. I said the way I pick games is when the spread looks really weird, and you know a bunch of people took the Vikings yesterday. Oh yeah. You know how it works. Oh yeah that it goes the other way 75% of the time. It doesn't happen all the time. Uh, For example, the uh, Commanders-Texans, that was another one that I loved. Why? Because the Commanders were only giving three points to the dreadful Texans. But in this case, the Commanders took care of business. 
Uh, but yeah, the, the Cowboys, after blowing that lead to the Packers late in the game the week before, giving two, and everybody remembers the Vikings going into Buffalo and beating the Bills. Yep. That's the way that it works. But people weren't aware of the left tackle situation for Minnesota, and the, the Cowboys took advantage of it. And our, uh, our young wizard, boy, Bud what a, Fox. What a clutch play. Yeah, Micah Parsons was doing work. And the Chiefs-Chargers game last night, really high-quality football game. I mean, we got we got lucky on this. And then next week, so much on the World Cup is going on as we speak. I, I, I Listen, I, 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 this, is, this is honesty of media. Uh-huh. Is it not? It is. Tis. Tis, thank you. Once it's the holidays, we start saying tis. That's right. Uh, I thought the United States' first game was Friday. No, 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 today. I know. So I'm up. I've been up. I am ill. I'm I'm trending in a bad direction. And, but the reason I came in today to make sure was to talk about Jay Randolph Jr., which we did for three hours on TMA, and we will do here momentarily. Uh, but I couldn't miss the show today. Uh, but I've been up since two something, and I'm just reading, and I go, the United States plays Wales. Is this like a? It's like an exhibition before the World <laughs> Cup. And I'm like, oh, they're in their group. Yeah. So for me to say I'm into the World Cup and not realize they had their first game today, what does that say? It right. says, I guess I'm really not. But I but I fancy, I fancy myself being a World Cup guy. I wonder I and obviously I follow sports incredibly closely, both for the job and also for gambling purposes. I wonder how many people know this. I know, yeah. I don't feel like it's getting much attention. I feel like the game against England on Friday is getting more attention than the game today. And while they should win, they're minus whatever, I think 250, and Wales right. is plus 205. You know, there's no guarantee. you got to no. win. And uh, England put it on Iran around earlier this morning. 62, is that the final? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that stuff matters. England's really, really good. Super young, similar to the United States, super young, super talented. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, USA takes on Wales today at 1 o'clock. Nice. I kind of like a little midday action. Then yesterday was the first game, Qatar versus Ecuador, and that wasn't much to watch. So I think people are starting, like, the the really good matchups start when the knockout stage goes, and I think that's when people are going to be locked in. But the group stage is super important. And oh, this it's is, huge. This is important today. Oh, yeah, this because this because they got to beat either – they have to beat Wales because they'll beat Iran, Iran, knock on wood, and England's going to be a really tough match, but they have to right. beat Wales. they got to so beat That's Wales. the thing. So I had no idea. And if I wouldn't have gotten up as early as I did, I'm not sure I would have made it to, oh, the United States is playing Wales. Right. Oh, <laughs> this matters. I had no idea. I really would be curious, like, what percentage of sports fans are aware that it starts today for the United States. Right. I'm, I'd be curious. What do you think? Give, give me an arbitrary probability. Of our audience, this audience on 101? Sure, well, this is the 101 audience. 35%. Huh. 35%. Three and I th- a half I think, out of ten. I think I'd, I'd have a tough time going over or under on that, so I think that's a nice number. I, I've, I've realized, because I listen to a lot of sports podcasts around everywhere, and with soccer, it's pretty much two extremes you got people who never ever watch and don't like the sport so they don't like when people talk about it and then you have the real hardcore soccer fans who if you're not as educated as them talking about it they really hate it and it's tough to fall in between there i i know i fall in between i obviously do because i didn't even know they were playing but i'm not angry about it i'm just i'm i i legit i love the World Cup. I say that though, and I didn't know the United States was playing today at one o'clock. Right. Well, it, and this is such a weird thing because it's always play in the summer, always. And now that they're playing in the late fall into the winter, it's a little different because it's like, oh, it's Monday. 
before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Never would there be World Cup on. Right, you're right. But now it is, and so it's it's different, playing in a different spot, but uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm fired up. Uh, I want to make sure that I talk about the great Jay Randolph Jr. Uh, I know for a lot of you who are uh, listen only to 101 ESPN, you're probably not as familiar as the people who listen to TMA, um, or if you are a fan of the game of golf, certainly Jennings, a huge part of golf in St. Louis for three decades. Uh, and of course, his father, legendary sportscaster and just A-plus human being, superhuman, uh, Jay Randolph Sr. And his grandfather spent 50 years in Washington, D.C., 20 of those years approximately spent as a uh, congressman in the House of Representatives from West Virginia, and 30 of those years approximately spent in the United States Senate. Uh, Jay passed away on Friday at the age of 53 from liver cancer. Um, as weird as this sounds, Jackson, um, it was 1017 on October 21st, a month ago, at 1017 that I was doing this show. Yep. And I got a text from Jay telling me that he had liver cancer. Um, and he was gonna fight it, but it didn't look good, and he was hoping to get a second opinion. Um, at the time, the doctor he had initially seen told him he would have three to four months to live. We were able to get him in to uh, get a second opinion on Tuesday, so I guess that would have made it the 25th or 26th, something along those lines. And that doctor, uh, who both Jay and his longtime girlfriend, who was an absolute rock throughout this process, Amy LaBelle, um, said he was an incredible doctor, incredibly kind, but he gave them worse news, and that is that he most likely had three to four weeks. When Jay called into TMA 12 days ago to let the audience and St. Louis know about his situation, which had been incredibly private up until that moment, um, I, I, he misspoke. Uh, and he, when he said three to four months, he knew it was a matter of weeks. He probably knew it was less than a couple of weeks, honestly. And uh, so therefore, I think when people heard that or they read it in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, uh, nobody misreported it. It was just, or nor did the doctors tell Jay he had right. four months and then all of a sudden he wound up having nine days. It was just Jay had, had misspoken and, and, you know, nobody's going to like jump in and go, hold on a second, Jay, you actually have three to four weeks, you know. Right. So, so with, with that being said, um, the final week of Jay Randolph Jr.'s life was spent receiving kindness from the audience and uh, people well beyond TMA and sports fans in St. Louis because he's, he made his mark uh, in the golf world and around the country. He was on Sirius XM, he covered the Masters. Um, and my recollection of Jay will be his laugh, which was a signature laugh, and his ability to tell stories. Mike Claiborne was on with us on TMA earlier this morning, and if I were to do my Mount Rushmore, hashtag Mount Rushmore, of storytellers in St. Louis, I'd go Mike Shannon, Kelly Chase, Mike Claiborne, and Jay Randolph Jr. Just absolutely brilliant storytellers. The silver lining in the way things went, as weird as it sounds, is that it went quickly because I saw him six days ago and it was not 
uh, a condition that anybody would want to be in for a long time. Um, he lasted long enough to be able to see his son and say goodbye to him um, this past Thursday. And the biggest thing is that a guy who I don't think knew how many people loved and appreciated his ability found out in the last week of his life how many people loved him, how many people appreciated him, Uh, not just because uh, $50,000 were donated to his GoFundMe, but because of the messages he received, and it was thousands and thousands of messages of people expressing uh, their love for him. And as sad and tragic as it is for somebody to pass away from cancer at the age of 53, um, it is a beautiful thing that a guy who I really don't think knew how many people loved him found that out in the final week of his life. And the other thing I would say is this, you know, when you, and I can't imagine too many people listening to this can possibly relate to it. I certainly can't, but I can imagine if you are the, the grandson of a United States senator, and not just somebody who kind of showed up for a term, but somebody who was in D.C. for 50 years, and 30 of those is a U.S. senator, and a legend in West Virginia, in the original Jennings Randolph, and you're the son of Jennings Randolph Jr., Jay is actually the third, his son's the fourth, uh, it would, I think, people probably would expect, actually, that you would have a certain attitude of, or an arrogance or, you know, I'm not going to associate with those people um, because I am the son, grandson of a senator and my dad, you know, called Cardinals games and PGA tours, tour events and sports director at KSDK. And uh, that was not him. He was an everyman. Um, and he was unapologetic about who he was. And who he was was somebody who loved to tell stories and have fun. And so while we are heartbroken that he is gone, and I know many of you are as well, we love that his legacy will be his laughter and his storytelling, and that in the final week of his life, he got to find out just how many people loved his laughter and his storytelling. The great Jerry Randolph Jr. will never be forgotten, and all of us here love him and will be thinking about his family and those close to him in the weeks to come. We will take a commercial break, and we'll come back with Jeremy Rutherford here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. It is our pleasure to welcome to the show the great Jeremy Rutherford. Good morning, JR. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tim. Well uh, said. I was listening to that last segment. Uh, just so uh, heartfelt. And uh, I think the relationship that you guys had with Jay Jr. and a lot of guys in St. Louis, uh, Dave Green, can certainly be uh, felt in these last few days. Uh, I, I didn't know Jay as well as you guys did, but that laugh was just infectious. If somebody said, Drop your list of top two or three uh, laughters that you want to be around. Yeah. Definitely, it was it was Jay Junior. And you know, I I get that nickname back in the Rams days of uh, Shaggy, and I can still hear Jay Junior saying it. Hey, Shaggy! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know about the Shaggy nickname. Yeah, I had a little hair on my chin or something. And <laughs> certainly not a skinny fellow like uh, Shaggy from Scooby Doo, but uh, <laughs> just a little hair on the chin led to the nickname and. 
And Jay used to call me that every time I'd see him. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. He really did get a lot of love uh, over the the last week of his life. And I saw the Blues uh, paid tribute to him uh, on Saturday night during the telecast. And uh, and I know a lot of people who were near and dear to Jay's heart uh, were grateful to see that, especially in the midst of a night where it was hockey against cancer and the Blues were putting on the clinic that they were against the Ducks. I mean, that was that was dominating. It's one thing to put a few wins together. It's another thing to put on a, a clinic like that. In a way, you know, sure, they won against Washington, but we talked about it. That wasn't exactly a, a beautiful performance, so it was a nice little bounce back in a major way. Uh, what stood out to you from Saturday night against the Ducks, who we will see again tonight? Yeah, just the way they did it. Yeah, they got a W for a junior there. They, they played well, and like who would have thought after the eight straight losses? You thought that they'd get it to figure it out and win some games, but six straight with a chance to go for seven tonight and just do it in the dominating way that they're doing it. Scoring goals, I mean, like 12, 12 14 days ago, we were talking about how's this team going to score, who's going to step up, where are they going to get it from, and, and they're getting it from all different places now. And I think what I took away from the other night is Pavel Buchnevich. I think that he's played uh, some good games this season. I think at times you've noticed them, but just not on the scoreboard. And I think uh, he finished the night with four points. They took an assist away from so maybe just three, but two goals. That line was terrific. They popped Kairou up there with Thomas and Buchnevich with Tarasenko sick, and the line was just uh, perfect, I think, uh, nine points total. So great night for those guys, and the Blues just continue to roll. Who would have thunk it? It is something to behold. I mean, for real, you know, two weeks ago, because it was 12 days ago, I guess it was 11 days ago, uh, when they beat the Sharks, and that's when everything started. So when you and I were talking, I guess two weeks ago, they were in Boston at this time and then headed to Philadelphia, if, if my memory is correct, which right. they would lose both. But I recall they were encouraged by the performance against the Bruins and I came on the air the next day and I go god this this reminds me of kind of like a Missouri football fan who's just like trying to grab onto something like yeah I know they they lost to Florida but at least they kind of did it in okay fashion I'm going oh my god is that what's is that where we are here with the Blues but maybe they found something in that game that they lost to the Bruins when you look you look at this and if you want to go back eight games to the Bruins game six of which they they've won and, and two of which they lost the Bruins and the Flyers what whether it be what you observe or when you talk with members of the organization, players, coaches, Doug Armstrong, what is it that, that you see or that they see that is crystal clear that has changed from from the losing streak to what we're seeing here over the last couple of weeks, Jr. Well, Tim, I don't want to simplify it, oversimplify it, but I do think uh, the effort, and I think that's why when you saw the Blues go up against Boston, which at the time, and they're still hot, but they yeah. were just incredibly, incredibly hot. And so you look at that game and you just see pieces of what the Blues looked like prior to the eight-game losing streak, and you say, this is how they can play. We, we know that they can play like this. And, yeah, you don't want to lose, but it was against the Bruins. And then, you know, Philadelphia is a tough one because they're a team that's okay, but uh, you should be able to go in there and, and beat them if uh, if you're really getting back to your game, and the Blues didn't. So it still went on, that losing streak, a couple more times. But I, I think that you look at that, uh, the way they played, the, the difference to me, most notably, is the effort. I, I think we've seen it uh, increase ever since that Boston game. And, and I think once you're playing harder uh, and playing that style that the, we've been accustomed to with Craig Bruby, you're doing the right things. You're not going to you know, clear out the crease. You're not going to... Uh, look like uh, Chris Pronger back there in front of Jordan Bennington. But I think when you're making the plays that you need to, to make, the ones that they weren't making before, you know, that were allowing the backdoor tap in, so on and so forth. And, and also, 
working in the offensive zone. We see him go to Vegas. We see him go to Colorado. They're working the puck in the offensive zone. They're getting some zone time. It wears down the opponent. And most importantly, you're taking away from the time that Eichel and McKinnon and those guys are in the mm-hmm. offensive zone. These are all obvious things. These are things that you know anybody could tell you. But from just watching each game, I'm telling you, what I see has been the difference from then to now. What about the two guys who were getting the most criticism? At least I feel like they were getting the most. Certainly we were hearing Craig Berube things. I don't think that that was the majority of the fan base, though, and I don't think uh, that was really coming from inside the organization. If anything, Doug Armstrong was outspoken when he addressed the media three weeks ago uh, regarding the state of Craig Berube. But but I'm talking about Kairou and O'Reilly, uh, because right. when this was going on, and by this I mean the losing streak, they were uh, certainly in the verbal crosshairs, and I would say justifiably so. What have you seen with them during this winning streak? Yeah, both of them have been better, but the one thing with O'Reilly is I just never look at him and think, uh, gosh, he's he's not producing, he's not doing much good for this team. Every time I watch him play, for the most part, it's like he's always doing the right things, and yeah, it might not show up on the on the scoreboard. Uh, but when he was going through that first couple weeks with Jordan Cairo and trying to figure each other out, I didn't see it working. I, I really didn't see it working. So I felt like he was going to have to get a different line partner before we ever started talking about Ryan O'Reilly playing better hockey, and that's, in fact, what happened. Like We didn't think it would be Josh Levo, but that's who it turns out to be. His game suits O'Reilly's game a little bit better. And then Cairo, to me, I look at that completely different like I saw a player who yeah perhaps he was trying but he wasn't putting it in the right areas like when Craig Berube came out and said we're playing dumb hockey he was talking about the whole team Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of situations he could have been referring to Jordan Cairo there so you know I think Cairo give him all the credit in the world he has stepped up his game in the last couple weeks he's a big reason why the Blues have been able to turn things around but to me this should have been expected and we should have been seeing this prior to that what he went through. So so now I think we're starting to see the Cairo that Doug Armstrong knew that he was getting when he signed, uh, and it's really helping this team. I saw you tweeting about a story you did, uh, Darren Pang, talking about what's working with Jordan Bennington this year. The consistency has been uh, something to behold. Uh, if you could, for uh, those who haven't had a chance to uh, read it, um, your thoughts on it and also what Panger uh, had to say as a deep tease for your piece on The Athletic. Yeah, Tim, first of all, I'll set it up. It was kind of funny. I was talking to Panger, and he said he was in Bennington's backyard. They had their two uh, uh, dogs running around in the backyard. This is during the eight-game losing streak, mind you. And so Bennington's got his little dog, Biggie. Uh, Panger's got his dog, Bruce. And these two dogs are running around the backyard while uh, Panger and and, uh, Bennington are sipping on a cold one. And they're just talking about life, and they're just talking about hockey. And and so what Darren Pang says in the piece that I have up at The Athletic is that uh, he feels like it's good for you know a guy like Bennington to have somebody like that, a non-coach, non-player, to chat with. Uh, uh, Darren Pang said he had that with Dale Talon when he played. And so he's just talking about life. And so what he said is he thinks that Jordan Bennington did a great job of when things weren't going well and the backdoor tapping goals were being scored and pucks are going in off Blues defensemen and in the net, that he just kept playing his game. He yeah. didn't try to do anything different. He didn't try to compensate. He didn't try to get out of what he was supposed to be doing. He just stayed himself. And it could have been easy, Darren Pang said, because uh, you want to do more and you want to change things up. But he stayed who he was. Then the Blues could rely on him. They found their game back, and now they're putting those two things together. Boy, that is – you know what? I I was watching him. Uh, that, that Islanders game. I was at that game, and I remember there were there was a, there were a plethora of those kinds of goals in that game, especially after the Blues had a really strong start in the first period. 
and I was watching him going, God, is this guy who, you know, will can and will lose it, is he going to lose it? And you're right, he never really lost. He'd do his stuff where he would, you know, do his thing with the other team, but he never really seemed to lose it, which I gather either shows that he has real control or he just has incredible confidence and he knew that what was going on wasn't necessarily his fault. And if the boys got it right in front of him and he kept playing his game, things would turn around. Yeah, showed a lot of poise, and it is a little bit of a of a catch twenty two because uh, you know you want to play with that emotion that he talks about. He talked about that in the preseason. He he wants to have a purpose for how he's playing. But when things were going as bad as they were, you know, he feels like yeah, it's not my fault, but it's kind of our fault. We're in this together. What can I do here? The best thing I can do is be counted on, and that's what he continued to do between those eight games. And you know, a lot of people maybe outside of St. Louis look at the numbers and say that. Jordan Bennington hasn't had that great of a season, but I think everybody who's watched these games realizes that he's been the backbone of this team throughout the the losing streak and now the winning streak. And now that they're playing the way that they're playing and you start going, oh, well, there's a hockey season still here. Uh, Who who would have guessed it two weeks ago? If you have him firing on the cylinders that he is, that certainly can get you fired up for what's to come if they can continue this kind of play. We will see tonight if they can make it seven in a row. Blues and Ducks pregame here on 101 ESPN at 6 p.m. before they head off on the road to Buffalo on Wednesday. JR, always appreciate the time, sir, and look forward to our conversations every week. Thank you so much this morning, and thank you for the kind words regarding uh, Jay Randolph Jr., brother. Any Anytime, Tim. Talk to you later, buddy. Take it easy, man. Thanks, That's uh, Jeremy Rutherford with us here on 101 ESPN with his Rutherford report talking it over. Yeah, it was... Uh, I was watching that game on Saturday. I'm just like, this is unbelievable. This is the same team that lost eight games in a row. Right. It's hard to believe. It's, and and it wasn't it's not like you're going, you know, in 2019, you're going, man, this is the same team that was in last place. This is this was just two weeks ago. Right. And look at what's going on. Script is completely flipped. Completely flipped. And dead serious. And I don't know how people in the audience felt. But I'm thinking this is really weird because it's going to be the first time in I don't know how long. I, oh, seven, oh, eight, I don't know, where you're going, oh, well, we'll get them next year. You right, know, right, like there's right. nothing, you know, what what are Jackson and I going to be doing here? I mean, you're <laughs> going to be doing like hour-long Missouri basketball shows yeah. because the Blues are going to be irrelevant. I'm thinking right. to myself, well, at least I'll be able to take my son to a lot of games and right. get good seats good because seats. nobody's going to be going. And then here we are. Yeah. And it really truly is, it's 11 days, because two weeks ago they, they lost to the Bruins like we were talking about, and 13 days ago they lost to the, the Flyers. But it's not just, that's the thing, it's not just the way, um, it's not just the, that they're winning, it's the way they're winning, and that game in particular. The Washington game, not impressive, but the way they dominated uh, against the Blackhawks on Wednesday and against the Ducks on, on Saturday. That's super impressive. I'm anxious to see. This is rare that you see a team play back-to-back uh, in the same building, granted mm-hmm. with a night off. Uh, certainly you would see home-at-homes back in the day a hell of a lot more. Uh, how that carries over, if anything carries over, how the Ducks adjust and the Blues know the Ducks are going to adjust, how will they adjust? So I'm looking forward to this tonight. And then off to the road they go, the very rare Buffalo to Florida road trip <laughs> starting uh, on Wednesday, so they will be out of town for the Thanksgiving holiday, but they are in town for that week between Christmas and New Year's, which is great because I know a lot of people come back yep. to St. Louis and they like to go to Blues games, so that works out perfectly. All right, uh, Action Jackson has a potpourri of questions for us uh, coming up in the next segment. We will get to those. That's next here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you to the top of the hour. Then it's BK and Ferrario. I told Jackson, I said, Jackson, you're carrying the football today. What do you want to talk about in the next segment? Jackson said CFP. Absolutely. This time of year, I always love chaos models and what could happen if this team wins or that team loses. And a lot was kind of settled this weekend, with the biggest one being Tennessee losing to South Carolina. Well, that's what was settled is Tennessee is out. Yeah, they are And Hendon Hooker getting hurt. Brutal. Torn ACL. It really is brutal. I feel terribly for him. Yeah. Volunteers fans, uh, who I gather Missouri fans are not big fans of, of volunteer fans. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, and my understanding is they're not real popular amongst SEC fans. Uh, so if you're a Vols fan, perhaps you can uh, expound on that. Text in 65780. Uh, we're, you know, just devastated in a matter of hours. You go from truly, and I think we're a mathematical favorite, to get into the college football playoff yep. by just beating South Carolina and Vanderbilt and just sitting back Yeah. to losing in just stunning fashion. Right. I mean, tip of the cap to South Carolina shows how great of an atmosphere that place is, even when the team isn't that good. Agreed, yeah. I don't know where Spencer Rattler came from with that. <laughs> we watched him against Missouri a few weeks ago, and you're going, man, this guy was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Yeah, favorite he one just looks disinterested in the game, for lack of a better term. Right. Um, so not only do you lose in such... Just, I mean, getting pounded fashion. You also have Hendon Hooker done. I yeah. mean, his career is over in Knoxville. So they are out. For the record, the current top four at this moment, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU. Ohio State and Michigan will play this Saturday in Columbus. Action Jackson. Yes. When it's all said and done, and you need to throw... A dollar amount that matters to you. So I guess that's $100,000. In that ballpark, yeah. On who the four teams will be, make the play now. You got Georgia. Yep. Georgia. You'll have, I think Ohio State beats Michigan. I think that's, I'm sure that Ohio State will be favored in that game. I think Ohio State's the best team in the country. I'll say Ohio State gets in. Yep. TCU. Yep. They remain undefeated and uh, and head there. And then USC. But, I mean, USC's road is not easy. USC has to host the Fighting Irish, who are playing some good football. Really good football. One of my plays this weekend uh, was Boston College. That was over in the first quarter. <laughs> yeah, they got smoked. Uh, I think I was getting like 20 and a half, and it became clear. <laughs> Notre Dame. I mean, this is the same team that lost to Marshall in right, September. Right, They've been playing unbelievable. Uh, so that's going to be a test. I would imagine it should be a test anyway for – USC, and then they'll have the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, which is, I mean, Oregon's starting to play, Utah's starting to play. It's it's not, and they made a, a huge win this week in beating UCLA. That was critical because one loss and they're, they're, they're out. They're out. So that was hugely important. The biggest question is if USC does, in fact, lose, who's going to replace them? Who's going to fill that spot? Is it going to be, are they going to give it to Michigan? Would they? Who in the SEC could they dip into? Well, you go into a conversation about the LSU-Georgia situation. Right. I'm not as certain that Georgia beats LSU as I think many would be. Right. They piddled around I Kentucky. Think, I think what we've seen here, in particular this weekend, I mean, Illinois should have beaten Michigan. Yep. And, and Brett Bielma, and I liked it. 
good for him right for for saying what he thought you know he's going to get fined but critical critical is a euphemism for the way he was regarding the officiating and for lack of a better term uh, what he felt was just the Big Ten getting Michigan into that game against Ohio State, which is the first time those two teams have been undefeated meeting each other since 2006 um, because they were banged on that. Yeah, oh yeah. So you have you have Michigan and Ohio State. Now the score, if you just looked at the score, you go, oh, they both put up a lot of points. But yeah, Ohio State won. I guess they didn't cover. They were losing in that game to Maryland. Yeah, oh yeah. And there was a pick six on the one-yard line against Tua's brother, uh, that got Ohio State another touchdown. Otherwise, that game, I mean, Maryland had the ball with a chance to win, theoretically, at the end of the game. Um, so I just, I, I think we're at a different point in college football history. And I'd be curious what people who are, you know, in their 30s or 40s would think about this. Back in the day, and the day not being that long ago, you had an idea. There was a team or there were two teams. Usually there was a team, but there sometimes were two teams, Colorado and I think Washington split a national championship. I feel like Georgia Tech split a national championship with somebody. I know Nebraska and Michigan did in 97. But there was usually a Nebraska or a Miami or a Florida State um, that was in its own world. And I'm talking about before the Alabama dynasty, before Saban got to maybe even before Saban got to Baton Rouge, much less Tuscaloosa. And this year, I mean, do I think TC would have a chance against Georgia? No. Right. You know, but I wouldn't rule it out. Exactly. You know, Georgia didn't have a whole lot to sweat with Kentucky this weekend, but Georgia will have some problems offensively. And maybe they took Kentucky for granted and maybe they took Missouri for granted, but, you know, those those are eye-catching. Um Ohio State had trouble with Maryland. Now, I think it's human nature to look past Maryland and look past a beat-up Illinois team, although Chase Brown had a game despite uh, looking like he might not play, and then he goes out there and plays how he did for the Illini. Um, But either way, those teams were vulnerable. TCU needed this ridiculous run-on-the-field field goal to stay undefeated. Right. Point being, TCU is a ten and a half point favorite this week against Iowa State. Could I see him losing? I could. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ohio State, by the way, seven and a half point favorite against Michigan. If you're interested in wagering on that, and uh, Notre Dame is only a five and a half point dog in Los Angeles against Fight On, the Trojans. Oh man, that's so, those are two. So you got some, and Missouri is a four point underdog against Arkansas on Friday. By the way, yeah. Uh, so there are your spreads. So to answer your question. Jackson. I do think, because I don't think Georgia's losing to Georgia Tech, that's all they have between now and the SEC championship game, that even if they lose to LSU, they're in. Yeah, agreed. Now, if you have, you're going to have Ohio State or Michigan in, barring a miracle, because it looks like Iowa is going to be in the Big Ten championship game. My goodness. Uh, you thought the NL Central was a piece of work. Take 10 West. My goodness. Uh, so I'm operating on the premise that Ohio State or Michigan will have one loss. Right. Um, and as a matter of fact, I would say Ohio State and Michigan will have one loss. Uh, at worst. Yeah. You, oh, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Right. Uh, I hear what you're saying. And it, because it's, you know, they're just, I can't imagine them losing to uh, Iowa. So one of them's going to have one loss and one of them's going to be undefeated. Um, and then you have the TCU question, and TCU most likely will play K State. Right, and K State's yeah, they, they can play. K State's going to be lurking around the top ten when those rankings are released tomorrow night. They can play. 
They can play, so that's so going to be no so, so, so just for the sake of the conversation, let's say TCU loses one of those games. Because if, if they win out, they're in. Right, Nobody right. would dispute that. So you'd have Georgia, let's call it Ohio State. It doesn't matter, Georgia, Ohio State, or Michigan. And then where do you go? And let's operate on the premise that Georgia beats LSU. Just yes. for the sake of the conversation, where are you going? So you have USC in there, and then... Well, okay. So th- then we got to operate on the premise that they win right. their two remaining games. Right, because if they don't, then we're really scrambling. But if LSU were to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, I don't see how the CF the committee could not put the SEC champion in there even with they would have. Let's say it'd be over a one-loss Michigan. Yeah, I mean, I think they lean towards the conference winners generally, and Michigan playing. I would, I would, I would agree with that. Right. By the way, mm-hmm. I would agree with that if that indeed played out that way. Right. Just because, I mean, I get to Michigan. To put LSU, right. if you're going to focus on the wins. Um, the team that, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. I saw these probabilities of getting in. Do you know where I'm going with this? It's not Clemson, by the way, so I'll save you the time. Mm. It's Roll Todd. Yeah. Can't, I mean, they beat two losses as well. They just, with the thing against them, against LSU, is if, if LSU won the SEC championship, that's right. a huge that's, accolade. But, but if LSU is sitting there with three losses and it's oh, an ugly yeah. loss to Georgia, right? yeah, that yeah. they have a healthy percentage of getting in. Yeah, they do. Which 100%. is saying something. And, and you know, the thing is, it's not they had two narrow losses, but they also had a couple narrow wins that are forgotten a little bit against Texas and against Texas A&M. Right, right. So... I wouldn't be surprised if Nick Saban tried to make a point this upcoming Saturday in the Iron Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure he would like to do that in general, but in particular because it might have value. But I got to tell you, I went into that Tennessee South Carolina game thinking, oh, Tennessee is going to put 75 on them because it's their only chance of style, style points. points. And I bet a lot of people lost money on that. Uh, who do you think is going to be the final four in college football for the CFP? 65780. We'll take a break. Come back with the final segment of Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Jackson, you told me that my clock management today wasn't that bad, and here we are with one of these 1057 segments where I'm basically saying, hello, friends. Goodbye, friends. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't our greatest day on clock management. Look at you saying our, even though it was my responsibility. Look at you. But it's on me. You should be wearing the C on your sweater. Right. And I guess in this little one-second segment we got here, I'll say, I, I did. I know people are asking. I did shave the beard. It just oh, wow. it wasn't it wasn't it didn't even cross my mind. So when you said you know people are at, were asking, were people really asking? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I was getting you know DMs. Well, you like have like lamb chop sideburns though now. Well, are you yeah. aware of that? Well, it's because my now hair I'm is really long. It. My hair. I'm actually I'm nervous about getting a haircut because I'm afraid it's not going to come back if I do. Yeah, I've been there. <laughs> so feel... I'm going to let this bad boy run. Uh, but yeah, I got. Now here's oh. the thing though about that, and that we have to go. So I because I could do about an hour on this. <laughs> Especially at 24, the holding on, you know, it might be good if you acquiesce to where you're going, uh-huh. unless you're planning on getting it tended to, mm. however you might be. And mm. I don't know if you are. Mm. Well, not anything major. I'm going to try a real grassroots effort to, to <laughs> yeah, save you keep talking. It's so cryptic. I don't know what you're follicles. doing, and I can't, get, I can't get an answer out of you on this. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I understand, but you know you don't want to go start like combing it over like your Gene Katie at twenty four. Well, I slick it back. 
And that usually Pat Riley. Right. And the thing about Riley was he had a nice rounded hairline. Right. Mine's starting to make a little little peninsula. And, oh, they're gonna call you little peninsula now. Yeah. Well oh boy. That's a nickname I hope doesn't stick. Yeah. See, we got something out of this yeah. one minute segment. I call New it a victory. Nickname, the Little Peninsula Show. <laughs> the hell's that thing? The little peninsula show? Yeah. Wow. A lot of basketball in that thing. Time for us to go. BK and Ferrario are up next. For Action Jackson, I'm Tim McCartney. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. An idea has just been born. No one has seen it yet. It's tiny, but with the potential to change everything. Every new idea is precious in this way sometimes fragile or half-baked. Its worth might not be immediately obvious. To survive, we must protect their little sparks. There it goes. Good luck, little guy. So many ideas like this are never realized. They could have been so much more than a line in an email or a mumble on a video call. When ideas are explored on Miro, the visual collaboration whiteboard, they're seen by the whole team in real time. Thoughts come to life and grow through team collaboration. Miro is a space where all ideas are taken seriously, and seriously good ideas come together in unexpected ways. Join over 30 million people collaborating at Miro.com. M I R O.com.